This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <laughs> only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. Uber Eats hates late, but occasionally something unpredictable happens, causing your double bacon cheeseburger to be delayed. And on the off chance your order is late, we'll make it right with three months zero dollar delivery fee with a free Uber One membership. That's kind of a big deal. On time claim based on latest arrival time shown after order is placed. Offer ends to 19-2023. Current Uber One members not eligible. Subscription will auto renew at nine ninety nine each month, starting three months from initial enrollment. See Uber.com slash Uber One for terms. Benefits available only for eligible stores. Order minimum supply. When are the club and fans going to move on from Deeney? Leicester City have a penalty kick in the sixth minute of injury time. Injury time, injury time. Knockout takes, Almunia saves, knockout follows in, Almunia saves again. And now Wapner on the counter-attack. Forestieri. Oh, I don't believe this. Here's Hawk Deeney. I do not believe what I've just seen. Troy Deeney has scored from a Leicester penalty that was saved by Almunia. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. You're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. Uh, no Carl this evening. He's busy doing something else. Don't worry, he's perfectly safe. He's not in prison or anything like that. He'll be back next time. But joining me at late notice this evening, Peter Redmond. Good evening, Peter. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, uh, Justin. Thank you for, for, for having me at late notice. Ah, Pleasure. Thank you for joining me. Well, I don't quite know where to start. I don't know whether to start with Norwich or some questions that we've had come in. I think we'll start with Norwich, actually. Now, you went to the game, as did Carl. What's the biggest difference, then, between Wolves and Norwich? What, apart from everything? Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the first thing, when you look at it, I mean, everybody will, will, will say immediately Kiko. And you know what? They won't be wrong, because he was a, one of a number of things that what we did was we imposed ourselves on them. With Wolves, we just didn't do anything. Wolves didn't even seem intent on really imposing themselves on us, but we just like were just so passive, and passive is not a strategy. The other element was we had in the centre of midfield, uh, Etebo was moved to the bench and they brought Cleverly in. And so whereas we've gone like a 4-3-3 before, we were still sort of a 4-3-3, but Cleverly seemed to have this just 
completely free role. And it may well have been that Norwich weren't occupying that area of deep midfield, so he didn't have anybody to occupy. But his energy levels and buzzing around and being available for the ball and keeping on uh, those passing movements all the time meant that we retained possession and we moved it forward really well. So those were great. But other highlights for me would have been that there's been a lot of kind of comments about, obviously, we've done all of our attacking down the right. And Saturday was absolutely the case because you had Kiko and Saar making hay. But we kept moving the ball from right to left sometimes a, a long pass into Dennis who's got a remarkable first touch yeah. and an opportunity to kind of run at the you know run at his fullback and try and he tends to cut in a lot because he's very right-sided in that respect um to try and get shots away but he was kind of doing the same sort of job that Son did for Tottenham against us they kept transferring the ball out there yeah. he kept going he yeah. kept going he kept going and finally they won a free kick which kind of paid dividends he he kind of did the same thing so there was nowhere they could rest up and at the front somebody who I was I was personally and it's always about opinions and everybody's opinion is just as valid as mine but I, I thought against Wolves Josh King looked so isolated he was trying to shut people down but that's very hard when they got three at the back and you are one and you're running around and nobody seems to be intent on coming into the same postcode as you yeah yeah. We we were linking up. Cleverly was pushing up. Dennis was closer to him. The Saar, when he wasn't pillaging the right side, would be kind of getting up there and, and, and pushing inside as well. And we basically went on literally the front foot. So I think so much was the difference. A lot of debate has been about whether or not Foster did he, you know, we, we, you know I, I don't think we have to be either or. I don't think we have to be either Backman or pro Foster. The same thing with Ngakia and Kiko. We've got two fabulous op- you know, options in both of those positions. Yeah. And for somebody of Foster's experience to step in, having not played for eight months and just had a calm reassurance about him was fabulous. It was, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think, I think everything sort of looked calm and bar the goal, which which I think is a little bit underplayed because I thought it was fabulous movement from Pookie. I thought uh, those were a number of the things that kind of really went with it. But the main thing was the energy and the movement forward. Kiko, was he injured? Is that why Ngakia came on? He got a knock in the first half. I think it was about after 35 minutes and he sort of kept running. He did kind of wilt a little bit after after that moment in the second half. He came back out, they tried to give him a chance and then he just kind of went down with it. So it looks like he got a, a knock. I hope it's not a twist to the knee. But in fairness, again, and this is what I say about Ngakia, and Gakia came on, it was one all. He threaded the ball for a great run from King for that for that second goal on the byline. And and actually that is definitely something worth mentioning. Was if you look at both Dennis's header and you look at Sars second goal, uh, first goal, sorry, the movement from the forwards of coming from the blind side behind the defender yeah. and just getting in front, yeah. literally just as the ball arrives. Yeah. That that little bit of going, I'm not going to get there and then kind of stand there and wait for something. Mm. Just in time, I'm just going to get there just ahead, helped a huge amount. But, you know, Ngakia came on, was solid, helped progress the ball forward. I think the other answer that people will probably be screaming at is it was Norwich and Norwich are not in a good way. Um, no, and, and that's a that's an absolutely fair point. But I, I would hope that if we put in the performance that we did against either Brighton or against Wolves, I'm not saying we'd have won the game, but I think we'd have had a far more encouraging result than we ended up doing this sort of, we're just going to kind of turn up and not really do very much. I agree. One of the things that um, that, that uh, Munoz came out and said, he wanted to bring in experience for this game. Mm. He wanted, you know, there, there's you know, he, he had, you know, a, a, a central midfield there, all who were, what, 32 years old plus. Mm. He, he went with know-how. He went with he went with nous. I think mm, mm. Uh, a 
lot of the time as well. I think one of the highlights also was Danny Rose, because once he's fitter, you know, to get him outside of, of Dennis on an overlap would be really something. Yeah. It would really create more attacking threat down that left-hand side, certainly more options, which would ironically free up even more space for, for, for Saar on the other side. I mean, can you imagine if he's not having, you know, three people dragging him down by the shorts, the hair and yeah, everything else, yeah. you know? That, that could be really something. But he gives you a level of nous. I mean, both sides could have been awarded a penalty. He, he's got such experience and nous as Danny Rose. And he's also got a tremendous Boney M-based chant, which is excellent. Um, so, ev- <laughs> so everybody's singing his name to, to the point of almost annoyance where he kind of almost turned around and went, yeah, all right, okay, I've had enough of that. You can shut up now. Um, he knows the dark arts. Mm. He's streetwise mm. in a way that Messina love him to pieces. And again, another brilliant person to be competing for that for that position mm. but he's he's not got the street smarts mm. um there, there was definitely a, a well i would have suggested it was definitely a penalty from danny rose he created so that it was like no it wasn't it was six of one and half a dozen of the other and the referee just went oh go on play on and off we go danny, yeah. danny rose straight away <laughs> so with that in mind then so obviously we're playing as we record it's it's monday evening tomorrow there's a league cup game which we stoke, stoke which i'm not expecting <laughs> to see uh anywhere near the same team but Newcastle on Saturday do you think he's going to go with experience again? I think you would probably look at that game and say I'm going to give the guys who need minutes run outs against Stoke and keep the other guys fresh and try to create some momentum. The feel-good factor that, that that came about because of the performance. I mean, people talk about the team sparking the crowd or the crowd sparking the team. Everything led off that first five minutes, mm. which, as I said, was, was Kiko creating a blistering momentum down the right-hand side. And what um, a ball, by the way, and, for that first oh, goal. It, what it, a ball. It was, well, it was that, and there was the triangular passing between Cleverly Saar and and Kiko, mm. and there were there were three Norwich players looking looking less coordinated than, than me on a Saturday evening, um, <laughs> which is which is which is and some, and it, it was great because they were passing and passing and passing, and it was almost like you're not going to get it, and then Saar just went time to go to work, and he made a run between the between two of them, mm. and they both went with him, mm. and it just created the space for Kiko to go. All right, I've got the ball here. Two of you have gone away. You're not going to block it out of my feet. Whip it in. Mm. Beautifully, beautifully uh, flighted ball. Yeah. Um, and he really gave us, you know, a tremendous, uh, a tremendous start. And therefore, I think, you know, looking at Newcastle, I think he will want to continue that feel-good feeling that started on the pitch, emanated into the crowd, and they'll want to, you know, they absolutely. It's, it's not they want to. They have to bring that level of performance and that level of determination and that being on the front foot. Mm. And play and playing occasionally direct, not all the time. Mm. You know, have runners going in behind, and sometimes it would be Kiko because he could run forever until he unfortunately went off injured. But we just basically were on the front foot the whole time. You got to keep that positivity, and if you can keep the team fresh, that's what I'd go with personally. Hunter's questions. Hunter's questions. Hunter's questions. We've had a, a few questions come through, and I think a lot of it probably has now passed because a lot of it's about you know when are we going to score goals again and things like that but there's been a few questions that have come through that I think are worth answering this one's coming from Brian Edwards uh, well it's one. It's not just one question it's quite a few actually the first point he makes is ticketing fiasco what uh-huh. is the point of the new system when you get to the turnstile and the steward uses their generic card to get you in that's happened to me both league games so far 
So I've got to the turnstile and I've just had to show my season ticket on my phone and they've used their card to let me in. Well, um, I'm still trying to download the Stoke one now. I can't. Right. Um, I, I had the same thing because one thing I'd love to talk about was I went to the, the ladies game, the Liverpool game. Oh, yeah. And so, so I, I, you know, I did what all right-minded people now do, which is I'm not going to read instructions. I'm just going to go onto Facebook and go, why can't I download this 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 <laughs> Liverpool game? And, and, and some kindly fellow, his name escapes me, came on and said, look at, look at the email. The ticket's on the bottom of the email you, they sent you, idiot. And I was like, ah, a, ge- a genius. And so you actually reads emails um and, and but but that simple piece of technology of printing off worked beautifully it was really simple really yeah. easy i still can't download the soap uh soap one the wolves game again exactly the same there's a guy you know there's a steward there who's getting dogs abuse from idiots like me going why isn't this working and he's sitting there and he's just letting people in um well i was i when i was there going I, in the I, other day, I agree with him someone who i take it to be from a higher uh status came down and said just use your pass so obviously they saw there was a little bit of a queue building up and he was told to use his pass so both times i've been in i've not had to use my app to get in i've just had to flash my uh, my ticket it does seem a little bit pointless to be honest with you it doesn't seem like it's working will it work ever i mean you know you thought you'd have this out by now but um well with the uh with the crystal palace game again i had my son with me which was again an- another moment for him to be parentally embarrassed not once but four times i, I-, I booked the tickets on the web I'm Unbeknownst to me, they unbeknownst to me, like they were going to send me a note and go. By the way, Pete, what we're going to do is we're going to turn the picture of we're going to uh, turn over the booking uh, the booking picture of the ground where you click where you're going to go. We're going to turn it upside down. I was always used to the you know the the Rouse or now the Graham Taylor stand being on the top. Yeah. Years and years and years. Yeah. So I booked. I, I just basically clicked on there when bought the tickets. Told my son, yeah, no, no, we're in the Graham Taylor. And of course, I so I go up with with the with the ticket that I had successfully downloaded on my phone. Walk up to my usual one to go in. The, no, he's not letting go. So, of course, I am the idiot who has a go at the steward. The steward looks at it and goes, no, you're wrong, wrong place, mate. You're down there. So, of course, I go off at him about that. Then we finally get to the right uh, the, the, the right one. The thing's not working. So I kind of have a grumble at that. My son kind of hangs his head in shame. Yeah. We go in, we go in, we go for a drink. They take the top, they take the bottle tops off. I have a moan at that. Yeah. Then you try to get to your seat. You can't go there because there's a railing there because people said, oh, I just embarrassed him completely. Yes. But the, the, but the catalyst was definitely the ticket solution. Yeah. I would much rather it work as simply as possible and lots of people would. Not, not a ringing endorsement for the Sir Elton John stand there either, by the way. I have to say, <laughs> I haven't sat there for years, I, I, but uh, I, think, I think the moral story was it wasn't a ringing endorsement for my parental skills. Oh, okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. So Brian's second point, and I like this uh, actually. His second point is: when are the club and fans going to move on from Deeney? Now I'm seeing a lot of things on social media, uh, things like, oh, you know, I'm now watching Birmingham games, and I've been watching Troy play for Birmingham, and you know, we've lost players before, we'll lose players again. I don't think I've ever. Really really kept up with ex-players careers that much once they've left it does seem a little bit too much I think this whole Deeney thing let's not let's not beat around the bush the guy was amazing for us you know whatever anybody says scored a lot of goals showed a lot of loyalty played a lot of games when will the club and the fans move on from Deeney now I can't see that happening anytime soon from what I'm seeing I'm, I'm in two minds about it. I get, I get the point because moving on from Deeney would be a good thing to do. I think 
the result and the performance on Saturday will go a long way to that. As I said, uh, Josh King has a mantle to pick up and maybe he can make that his own and, and suddenly kind of memories start to fade if results are there, if you know what I mean. Well, filling um, Dini's shoes but, is going to be but, tricky, isn't it? It is going to be difficult. Of course it is. Of course it is. But I'm, I think the other thing is I'm definitely not going to stop following him until at least the 28th of September when they play QPR. Yes. Um, yes, so, yes, yes. So that, 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 <laughs> they, they always said they wanted to play together and now they can on opposite teams. That's going to um, be that's, a sorry, fascinating that's, that's watch that is yeah 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 Andre Gray on one side and, and Troy on the other so no I, th- I think fair play he's moved on you know and I I'm probably more more inclined to follow former players you know I, I still took a a vicarious kind of pleasure at Ashley Young's career and I appreciate everybody will be kind of kind of spitting on the floor as I say that thinking about the Manchester United stuff and the Villa um, I still included him I still included him in my top five Watford players of all time Ashley Young I think he was great at Watford so you know Carl Carl had a view that you know he wasn't happy the way he celebrated when he scored for United point taken but I mean the the, the excitement of him coming back uh, at the end of last season was it just showed you how highly he's regarded at Watford so yeah I mean I, I, I take the point I'd also, you know, I used to speak to Villa fans uh, and say, you know, Ashley Young, and they go, oh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And obviously, you know, we could watch him at Man United and stuff because he was playing in the Premier League. So I, I get that. But this this slight kind of, I think the last time we spoke, the words you used was like almost a bereavement at, at Troy yeah. Dooney leaving. Yeah. And, you know, he even said it on his leaving video, uh, said it felt like losing a family member because he has become absolutely attached to the club, you know, and, and fused with, with, with the club. I, I look at it and go, OK, I've supported the club since 1978 so I've seen lots of players come and go and come and come and go but there used to be time when players would stay for six or seven years right? if you track back to 2012 uh, and you know and, and so or, or let's go back to 2011 so for the last 10 years for any fan who is 20 22 23 or under they have not had a consistent manager they have not had consistent players the one constant uh, at the club the one level of continuity has been Troy D Mm. And therefore, there's naturally going to be an, in, an inclination to, to kind of look towards him and say, yeah, you know, cheerio. It's also the fact that obviously people will say things on social media because it takes them 20 seconds to type a good luck, Troy. And that's, you know, we'll, we'll really be watching you. Right. You're going to stay in and watch the Birmingham game. You're coming out for drinks. Right. Cheerio. See you later. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's. Yeah. I mean, it's never going to be forgotten. And, you know, whatever he does now, whatever he does, he's Watford's Troy Deeney. You know, he's ne- his best days will always be at Watford, whether he goes on to be a pundit or a manager or whatever he does, his best days will always be the 10 or 11 years he spent at Watford. And, you know, we, we can't forget him but I think there is a slight almost obsession about him still that kind of is a little bit unsettling you wonder if it's unsettling the rest of the team I don't know but um (sighs) It's an absolutely fair question. I think what will happen is, as I mentioned there, as time comes on, the Dini fixation, if you like, will fade over time. But what he will inevitably do is join the pantheon of greats that we've had at this club. Because in, in 10 years' time, those guys who were 20 or so, you know, or in 20 years' time, they'll be sitting there talking to you know the kids that they're bringing to the ground saying, oh, you should have seen Troy Dini. And the kid will be going, who? Well, I agree. So, But then if we... But to, there is a question for you. Between Luther and Troy, can you think of another player that would sit at the same height as the two of them? Because you might say Tommy Mooney, perhaps Helgerson, maybe. But there isn't really anybody between Luther and Troy that I can think of that would sit comfortably as a trio between those two not necessarily i can i can think of three but they're, they're not in the same elements but 
if you look at uh, for, for me, I would say Nigel Gibbs. I would say I would say Gary Porter. But Gibbs and, and, and I Gibbs would say Doyley. Okay, all right, Doyley. They, they, they didn't have they didn't have the same iconic moment. You know? No, I mean, Nig- Nigel spans from one Graham Taylor era to the other, uniquely so. Yes, Gary Porter. You know, they're all in the top ten appearances, etc. Uh, give or take one club men, Nigel definitely so. Um, but what I would whatever. say to you there, Peter, is that Gibbo and Porter were kind of playing with Blissett, weren't they? In that same sort of era, the gap between the two eras, I can't think of anybody really that shone as a well the 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 difficulty is you know i mean if you look at nigel gibbs and porter i mean they came in really towards the end of luther's second stint yeah so he kind of went in 88 they kind of came in in about 87 he came back in i think in around 91 and had a season or or a season a bit as well yeah perhaps helgerson um look at that helgerson and, and it's odd because the 2006 side isn't remembered quite as fondly because you know the, it, it, it came in it had one glorious season it did what we have tended to do in the premiership without gargantuan amounts of uh, either either money or Italian loanees yes um, yes you know to, to, to be able to have a chance to stay in so yeah you had so, Tommy Smith and Darius Henderson really there but yeah. they didn't shine yeah. or excel Luther leaving in 88 and Dini joining in 2010 is, what is that, 22 years? Are we going to have to wait another 22 years for another Luther or Troy? I think the game has moved on a lot. You look at Barnes and a lot of people say with John Barnes that he talks about Liverpool more than he does about Watford, but he stayed with us for six years. Mm. Nowadays, a player of that ilk is not going to stay with you for that long because the the earning potential, the opportunity to play Champions League, etc., isn't there. So the the nature of the players who will stay might be a Nigel Gibbs or a Lloyd Doyley, um, who themselves would 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 admit, you know, they they weren't showy players. They were they were uh, players who would give their all every single week. I think Nigel Gibbs said said when he when he knew he wasn't getting in the 99 uh, playoff final he knew he wouldn't be on the bench because he wasn't an impact sub yeah so you know it's going to be those sort of players who kind of stay and stick around but you know the game moves on we will have you know Tommy Mooney was a great shout because you know we will always have cult heroes Mm. Um, you know for me you know right up there with everybody else that we talked about uh, there, there are certain players who've only been with us for two seasons but made such an impact Paul Furlong Yep. For anybody who, for anybody who watched um, in the mid '90s, and a lot of people say the mid '90s was a you know a dreadful time, it was a dark time. They make it sound like Mordor, um, <laughs> and, but it and, was. <laughs> well, well, yes, but, but only the seasons under Steve Perryman. Were no, it was. You still had things, you know, players who would come in. And you go, my God, look at look at him. Where did we get him from? Coventry mm. Reserves for a quarter of a million. Mm. And then we sold him for 2.5 million and built the rookery. Yeah. You know, he was fabulous for two seasons. Vidra, my God. Yeah, you know, Vidra, yeah, yeah. What a joy. Yeah. Was it short-lived? Yes. I mean, I think the whole of football has, has reacted to the fact that Troy has moved on mm. because what marks him is the fact that he did stay for so long. And yeah. I know, you know, appreciate on 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 here we, we we spoke about that, and some people's opinion was, you know, he overstayed his welcome, and that's fine. But I think he made an effort to to be one of the greats. Yeah, and definitely. who can knock him for that? No, no, nobody. Another point Brian's made, and again, this is a very very good point: is where does Jao Pedro fit into this team formation? Goalkeeper, drop back, <laughs> <and immediately>. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. 
I think well, I think it comes back to also the kind of the where are the goals are coming from. We hope that the last game is where we follow on from. Is it or is it? You know, we go back backwards again, and and therefore he's going to have to do what everybody does. He's going to have to wait his opportunity. But I think he is so wonderfully flexible. He can certainly come in and play. You know the position that Dennis is in at the moment. He could, you know, if if King gets a knock, you can move Dennis inside and bring Pedro in. He could also play that front position. We know he can. He plays yeah. it more akin, to my mind, to somebody like a, a a Roberto Firmino. You know, he kind of drops into the hole and can pick up things and do do some other things. And or he can play if we switch to something like a four two three one. He can play in the hole. Yeah. So th- there will mm. be chances, but he'll he'll just have to take it. You know, when it comes. But that's the nature of competition. I'm sure he'll do it. He's a fine young player. I suspect he'll be, when he's fully fit and ready to go, a first-choice substitute over Ken Semmer, I would have thought. Ken hasn't really shone in his appearances this year yet, as, as far as I can make out. The, the games always have players who were too good for the championship, not good enough for the premiership. Yeah, A lot of, a lot of people will be saying... Was he too good for the championship? I'm sure, but he didn't half contribute last year. Oh, he was a um, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and, and some some of and he pulled us through a lot of the times in the first part of the year under Rivic, mm. where 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 football was not to be encouraged at any cost, and yet he would buccaneer down the left hand side and create opportunities, uh, you know, a lot. So like him a lot, and I think he's going to try and do his best. Is he quite good enough? Uh, probably not with the, the with the competition that's going to be coming in and you know in and around him. But he should have got a penalty on Saturday when he did come on. The, the one thing I certainly don't like is him playing in midfield. I, I definitely see him as a predominantly left-sided player. Hmm. Um, if he starts in the middle of midfield, he's got to kind of almost kind of waltz and do a, a 360 in order to pass the ball left. He, he's there. We will see. The, the challenge is there for him, as it is with Pedro. It's down to them to pick it up and see if they can compete for the place. Some great questions there. Well done, oh, no, Brian. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. This is Shorty, and you're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. Enjoy the game. Some team news for tomorrow against Stoke. Apparently, Tufan is going to make his debut. Uh, Zisco has uh, confirmed that, so a new player to watch out for tomorrow. Uh, and apparently on Saturday, our referee is Jared Gillett, who makes history by becoming the first overseas official to referee in the Premier League. Yeah. You're, you're, you're like the John Motson now of, of podcasting. No, I've got, a, I've, got the fabulous of, fact. <laughs> I've got the Watford Observer <laughs> website. I open on my phone. Is, is oh, well what it is. Um, now that su- that surprises me. Actually, I would have thought that we would have had overseas referees before now in the Premier League. I find it very difficult to believe that um, this weekend our match is the first ever overseas referee. But there you go. Apparently, that's the case. So it, it just seems like somewhat odd because, in in some ways, with the Premiership being so cosmopolitan, mm. I mean, for for example, the last three weeks, social media has had Turkish people all over it. Really Really, you know, wanting to see uh, Tufan kind of come and make an appearance. Yeah. If you had, if you had a Turkish ref, and you know, your Turkish superhero was playing, would he, be, would he be uh, slightly oh. more inclined to, uh, to to protect the national asset? That's a Who very knows? good question. I, yeah, that's a good question, actually. Mike Riley doesn't get to do, uh, doesn't get to referee Tranmere, does he? No. Was it was it Mike Dean? One of them's a Tranmere. Mike Dean, that's it. Mike, yeah, oh, yeah. And probably and probably not Mike Riley either, because he's probably retired or something. <laughs> And Dermot Gallagher. Yeah, they don't do it anymore. (laughs) Hi, this is Peter Taylor, the Mayor of Watford, and you're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. So you mentioned earlier that you went to the ladies' match against Liverpool. Do you, do you go to a lot of the ladies' games? Uh, no, that was that was the 
that was the first one I'd been to. They normally play over at King's Langley. So it was the first Watford ladies game, but not the first ladies game I'd been to at Vicarage Road because back in the 90s, England played Germany there. And for some reason, I ended up uh, there and uh, Germany beat us 3-1. See, why do well, I remember that? Well, no idea at all. <laughs> well, because it always happens. That's why. <laughs> but the, the fact that I can remember that, but I can't remember my wife's birthday is probably oh. why she hates me. <laughs> Oh, that's not good, mate. That, that ain't good at all. No. Oh, well. So, so um, what are they next playing, anyway? They're playing again on the 2nd of October at home to Charlton, and that's again at the Vicarage Road. The game against Liverpool was absolutely first class. I mean, Liverpool have come down, for anybody who doesn't know, have come down from the top flight of of, of women's football, the Premier League, um, into the Championship of women's football now. And we, the, the, the ladies, have gone up, having had two full starts of seasons that didn't get completed because of COVID, but being, you know, really driving on at the top of the, of, of the league before games got pulled and all also putting in lots of infrastructure they got promoted as well yeah. and it was you know you could you could see how good Liverpool are I mean they're a full uh, full-time team working and training together and they they got a they got a 3-0 lead a, a fairly fortuitous first goal they were superb I mean it was really women's football at its absolute best I went along with my with my son who as I say is 16 so hates absolutely everything um <laughs> and <laughs> and um and I, you know, we were sitting there talking at half time and saying, well, this would be an interesting one for the coach because uh, he could get an absolute shoeing here. They came out, they changed shape, they changed the part, and they they won the second half two nil. I mean, it was a, it was a late goal from Helen Ward, who you've had on the on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who who incidentally was probably, and I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, probably giving most of the Liverpool players about ten years. Um, right. And yet she was absolutely bloody everywhere right. and scored the second goal and was a credit, as were the rest of the girls. And it was a fabulous game, and it was it was really wholehearted and a lot of people kind of and I've seen since a lot of people making derogatory comments on Twitter because that's what you do on Twitter Mm. Um, and a lot of people making comparisons to the men's game but I don't think you need to compare the men's game to the women's game or the women's game to the men's game it stands up in its own right but what was what was really interesting was there was about 500 600 people in the in the Grand Taylor stand and they opened the top and the bottom of it and it's a very kind of family oriented atmosphere and it reminded me of the days when we used to have reserve team games yeah um, yeah, yeah. I on, a, on, a, on a Saturday, I was when there, the, mate. When yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. It, when when the first team would would be away, and so you could, you know, you could literally kind of sit sit yourself in in some nice comfort. But at the conclusion of the game, which, as I say, was a real belter, all of the ladies' team came over to the stand, and lots of girls who were, you know, there and boys as well were kind of going down the front. And what it actually reminded me more than anything was of the old Watford Open days yeah, that we yeah. used to have at, them, the, yeah. at the ground on the yeah. pitch, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and people were going on and it was a fabulous sense of community and what it genuinely did remind me of more than anything else was was that graham taylor club you know graham taylor said famously i've not come here to build a team I've come here to build a club and I think they're doing a great job of it. They haven't got the results yet, but if the performances are uh, anything like that, I think it won't, hopefully it won't be long uh, for them to do it. But uh, I would certainly encourage if you haven't already to, uh, to get down and support the women, because even if we can only get a couple of hundred extra on that from, from the Liverpool game, it would see a real growth for them and, and really help them and show them that there's uh, there's support in the town for a team, you know, playing in the yellow and wearing Watford on their shirt and playing at a high level, going help. 
Melbourne. So the next game, did you say, was the 2nd of October? 2nd of October, and uh, tickets are, they're, they're very reasonable, and they're discounted for, for season ticket holders. So if you've got a season ticket, get down there. And as I say, my 16-year-old, who hates absolutely everything, I said, do you want to come again there? And he went, yes, definitely, straight away, because it, it was a really good really uh, really competitive game don't get me wrong there were moments you know when you laugh mm. because that's what football's about you know mm. you, you, mm. you can still be cynical we kind of had you know those silly kind of banter moments you know when we're three nil down and the gallows gallows humor came out yeah and then and then we got rocked back on our feet because the coach didn't mess about he made changes mm. uh the players did there was a fantastic goal to make it three one mm. uh from from uh, uh her name is myvald i believe right. uh, apologies if that's mispronounced right and as i say helen Ward got the got the second so you know if you want to get in at the start or something I'd, I'd go along I certainly would be going along with the Charlton game on the basis of the football was was really good and entertaining <laughs> Well, thank you very much for stepping in, Peter. It was a joy to have you on. We've got a busy week on this podcast, I tell you. On Wednesday, we're, well, fingers crossed. It's gone a bit quiet, but fingers crossed. We're talking to Tommy Hoban. And on Thursday, Genesis Elijah, a Watford fan who is an MC and a rapper and a producer and everything else. So Carl and I will be busy Wednesday, Thursday. I'll be busy editing. Yeah, that's that's quite a quite a busy week we got here. I can't, I can't say much about Genesis, but Tommy Hoban had that fine season playing mainly left back under Jakanovic when we, when we went up uh, back in what 2015 now I suppose and he's of course he's had to retire from the game or he has chosen to retire from the game that would be really interesting so uh, I'll be listening out for that one yeah looking forward to that uh, anything coming up on uh, you on TV uh, yeah I'm, there's going to be um, because of work commitments I've, I've kind of uh, been concentrating a little bit on, on Sundays mainly on the, the boot room where we kind of go through and provide a bit of an analysis of the game that's just gone hmm. um, having had three defeats it was joyful to uh to to, to, to go and do the analysis of the norwich game yeah. which basically was just me repeatedly going we're really good we're really good <laughs> no it was it was a little bit more in depth but not much yeah. so that that was nice but there is a special match of the day that'll be coming out which will be a little bit different Oh, um, okay. I, I, I'll, I'll leave it at that, and um, okay, uh, and, and so that should be coming out hopefully this week, and then more of the same nonsense coming soon. If uh, if anybody sees the YouTube channel, Uorns TV, we promise not to sell or give you a T-shirt. We'll just make some content, and <laughs> uh, and please do subscribe. <laughs> Lovely to have you. We'll leave it at that. Peter, thank you very much for joining me on the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. My pleasure. Thanks very much. Cheers, guys. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? <whistles> At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.